Today we're back in Exodus. How many of you guys are excited about that? A couple? I've loved it. So, um, so we're back in Exodus, and um, we're going to do a quick review, and then I go on from there. So when I think about Exodus, there's a lot going on, right? I mean, there's significant amount of things, a significant amount of things. And I believe that Exodus can be very foundational to our faith. We've seen many powerful things take place this far or thus far in the book. And all of it, every bit of the things that have happened within this book can apply to your life and my life today. I think of the first story we read about the midwives. And they had this ultimatum. The most powerful man that they know, physical man that they know, tells them to kill all of the baby boys. And what do they do? They stand up and they say, no, I won't do it. I'm not going to do it. And see, as a generation and as people, we settle for less. It's, it's not even about the babies. We, we won't even stand up for Christ at Walmart, right? It's hard to stand up for Christ at Walmart. It's hard to stand up for Christ at Kroger. It's hard to not join in to certain conversations. But these midwives, what were they willing to do? They were willing to say, I won't do it. And then we see a mother willing to take her child, Moses, and to take a few things, some chip and some tar, right? Some papyrus, and put a little ark together, and put her child down a river. I think sometimes we just forget about that. Like we forget about it because it's a story of the past. But imagine putting a child or, or a kid down a river by faith. So we're starting to see like, how does this apply to me? God requires almost of me to be a person of faith, of, of great faith. Just not faith in things that I know can happen. I don't have faith that I can ask Macy if I can get Chipotle later. I know that I can get it, right? There's, there's no faith required there. But putting your child in a basket down a river requires a bunch of faith. But what we see is that God is good and God is faithful and his eyes are on us and God is sovereign. So what did he do? As, as the mom by faith puts Moses down a river, Moses was drawn out from the river. Not only was he drawn out, but then they needed someone to take care of this baby. Pharaoh's daughter drew out Moses. And then someone needed to take care of him. Isn't God funny? You know who took care of Moses? Moses' mom. And you know, Moses' mom got paid to take care of him. God's funny. God's funny when, when we live a life by faith. And that's very applicable to our lives today. That it's about having feet that want to run towards obedience, not away from it. Applicable. Who wants to run towards obedience? Participating church, remember? Who wants to run towards obedience? Let's do it again. I want to run towards obedience. I'm scared, 
but I want to run towards it. So then, you know, like most moms always think that their children are the best at whatever they do. Like, literally, I'm the best preacher in the world to my mom. I'm the best theologian. I'm the best looking. I have an eight-pack when I really don't. <laughs> like, my head is full of hair. <laughs> I got muscles everywhere. Mothers can build up. Pride, does not, pride is not inherently within a man. Pride is inherently within the mother that then imparts it into the man. <laughs> Preach. I'm sure Moses' mom shared a few stories with him, right? A few stories about the sense of like, Moses, I put you in a river, and not only were you put in a river, but you were drawn out of the river. And not only were you drawn out of the river with an eight-pack and walking, and you were even speaking in tongues. Not only was that happening, but God paid me to do it. You have a calling on your life. And what Moses ended up doing is, is I feel like we, we see a tendency then with Moses then to live into his calling a little bit too quickly. Whether it stemmed from his mama and this nature within him that, that knew that he was going to be a deliverer or knew that he had a, um, a big call on his life, he tried to step into it too soon. And how do we see that? We see that as we go through Exodus that he becomes a defender of someone. And, or while he's trying to defend, he actually murdered a guy and then got rid of him. Stepped into his calling as a deliverer in a wrong way, probably at the wrong time. So then, Moses runs to the backside of a wilderness. You mess up, right? And this stuff's applying. How many, how many of us have ever tried to step into their calling a little too soon? Participating church. No, we got three people in this church still. How many of you guys have waited on an answer? You tried to step into it too soon. So when you mess up, when you feel inferior, there's a tendency that we see from the beginning that we run, we hide. Moses ended up running to the backside of a wilderness, the backside, the far side of a wilderness to get away from it. We've all been there, right? You can literally be right in front of someone but be at the backside of a wilderness. Amen? You can be so far from God and running so far that you can put on your smile, you can put on your happy face, and you can be at the very backside of the wilderness. But God is not done. So then Moses runs into some women at a well, right? And he sees that a man is drinking water too soon. And he says, hey, why, why, why are you at the drinking fountain first? Women first. That's how it works. So he goes up there and he allows the women to get drink first. And then Jethro is like, well, who was that guy who was protecting you out there? And then it was like... Um, singlewomenandmenatthewell.com and Moses found his wife. You like that, Phyllis? 
you're not hunting, are you? Because we could pray for you right now. And then there's the burning bush experience. I am who I am. Yahweh. I am Yahweh. The bush, typically bushes burn, but the bush just remain burning. Take off your sandals. Take off your shoes. This is holy ground. God introduces himself in a powerful way to Moses and sends him to do great things. But you know the thing about that is Moses didn't feel qualified. And just like Moses not feeling qualified, many days you and I do not feel qualified to the things that we're supposed to do. I mean, who feels overly qualified for the things that God's called them to? Because if you feel overqualified for the things that God's called you to, your dreams and the things that God, that you think God's called you to are not big enough. Because I never see a scenario on this side of heaven that God's going to give you, I'll carefully say this, that he's, no, on this side of heaven, you're never going to live not in need of Jesus. So if your call is something that you can handle yourself, then there's probably something additional that he's going to add to your call. There's a greater gap that you need to live in this um, dependency of him. And I don't like that because sometimes I just want to know that I can accomplish everything I need to accomplish, then I need to go home, and then I can relax and have my time. And really what I'm doing is I'm trying to create this scenario by which I don't need God in my life. My heart says, and my words say, or, or my words say, God, I need you. My heart says, get away from me. I'm praying you out of my existence. Moses was saying, I'm not qualified. And today I say, I'm not qualified. And I'm learning to become content with that as I pursue obedience in Jesus. So then Moses decides to um, confront Pharaoh. We have the ten plagues, right? We have the water to blood. We have the frogs. We have the genats. <laughs> we have the flies. We have the livestock. We have the boils, the hail. We have the locusts. We have the darkness. And then we have the death of the firstborn. Then the Passover. How important is the Passover scripture to our faith? Paramount. You need the blood of a spotless lamb to be over your door. Look, not just a lamb, but the spotless lamb, the best lamb. Not, not, not just what you have left over. Not the one that you're getting ready to slaughter and eat. The best one. The best one. You know what? I heard, um, shoot, who's the guy that did all the Exodus studies? Um, he goes to the Holy Land and he thinks he's found the Ark of the Covenant. Um, the parting of the Red Sea. Yes. Yes. Ron Wyatt. So I was listening to him several weeks ago, listening to one of his sermons. And what he ended up saying is he said, look, could you imagine killing one of your pets today? 
He said, I would be fearful of killing one of my pets today for the atonement of my sin. He said, I would run from sin. Right? If, if you had to sacrifice your pets today for the atonement of your sin, wouldn't you run from it? I know Macy would be. <laughs> she, she, would be she, she would be snatching me up. <laughs> Joey, if you sin and you have to sacrifice one of these dogs... It's over. We're done. I will be sacrificing you. So you choose your opinion or me. So you know what? What's catastrophic is, is sometimes we feel more about the weight of our animals than we do about the spotless lamb, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross. And our sin afflicts Jesus. And he's saying the spotless lamb that was willing to die on the cross for your sins. Then, as they're exiting, right? Led by the pillar, um, pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day, right? Amazing. The Holy Spirit leading, God leading, always with them, presence always with them. And then the story of God, instead of taking them straight from point A to point B, what did the scripture say? You guys remember? He took them around. So the quickest point is from A to B, but God took them around. And sometimes in our lives, what God ends up doing is he ends up taking us around instead of straight forward. We have to have patience and trust. We assume that we know the best way when God has something else in mind. And then, if you guys remember, God's people are now cornered with the sea and the enemy. And what we shared was that sometimes God allows you to be cornered as you trust in him so that he can pre prepare another way. Amen? Sometimes in our lives, we're cornered with no way out, and God prepares a way. And then now we're getting pretty close. We're at the commandments. Exodus 20. The Ten Commandments. <laughs> when I was uh, doing some of this, I actually wrote the Great Commandments. I'm like, yeah, that's the Great Commission, because the Great Commission has been on my mind. But uh, the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20. And uh, Pastor Ron, was, uh, he shared with us 2021, 20, I believe. So um, today, we're going to be in Exodus 22 and 23. And you will be out of here before 1130. So how do, how do all these things that we just read apply to our lives? Are you guys still with me? Okay. How do all of them apply to our lives? Or, or, or do they even apply to, to our lives? And they do. Every single one of them can help us understand the heart, the heart of God towards his people, how he longs for us to trust him, how humans continually fall short, how the presence of Jesus was with his people, how many people have doubts and fears of not being qualified, and actually how doubts and fears are not your qualifiers. Amen? How sometimes God lets you feel cornered. But overall, 
God has a plan. No matter where your feet have been or where you think you're going, Exodus is revealing to us that God has a plan. That's good news. Little by little, God shows us that he has a plan, that he is in control. I don't know about you, but I don't like little by little. Who likes little by little in here? Nobody. I want it all. So many people in their blindness assume everything that they want in the future that they could handle now. You don't want little by little. I'm going to say it again. Many people assume that, that what you dream of and what you want in the future that you could handle right now. God works little by little. Because you know what I dream of? I'm going to go back to 2030 real quick. I dream of a church in addition to us that has unbelievers in here that are thirsty for Jesus every week and that us as the saints are willing to disciple them. That every seat within this room is full because there's people within our community who are unsaved and saved coming together in unity to pursue and understand who this Lord and Savior is. I want that yesterday. I, I actually wanted that November 2017. I wanted it November 8th, 2000, or October 7th, October 8th, 2017. My first week here, I wanted that. But God moves little by little in your life. And I don't always like that. But what I have to do is I have to be okay with it because my eyes are on him. Through Exodus, we're seeing that God moves little by little. But guess what he's doing? He's still moving. And I don't have to agree with it. And I don't have to tell him what to do. I just need to trust him. We need, we need to lose the idea that everything needs to be immediate. God reveals that he is a God of process from the beginning of time. Did he immediately create the heavens and the earth? Or was there a process? Pastor Bart, there was a process, wasn't there? There were days. It wasn't immediately. Little by little, God created. Through the book of Exodus, we see that God isn't always setting people free from the slavery of evil people in one moment. But sometimes it's a long process of trust and obedience. Sometimes it's because of our self-inflicted wounds that we can't escape. Sometimes it's because of our lack of belief. Sometimes it's because we will not be obedient. Take the blood of the spotless lamb, put it over your door, and you'll be okay. Sometimes you don't escape because you're not obedient. God slowly reveals to his people that sin of other people is not the only problem that they have, but actually the sin that you carry within. You realize that? That's the thing that we have to remind ourselves of every day. Sin of other people is not the problem, but the sin that I carry within. So, how many of you guys have ever had an apple and it has a wormhole in it? Participating church. 
You guys didn't see the small print on that? And the small print was, anyone who just raises their hands will sign up for service on Wednesday night. <laughs> so we have the, the, the apple, right? My belief, I was like 30 years old until I figured this out. So how many, how many years old were you when you figured this out? I was 30. But you have the apple and the worm, right? And I always just said, a worm, what it does is it will go and it will eat its way through the apple. Anyone else with me? Well, what I learned, science actually says that the apple flower, the worm larva, will, I guess, lay in it, plant in it. It will plant in it and then the, the apple will grow around it and the worm grows its way out. Disgusting, right? So now every time you eat an apple, you're going to be like, is there going to be a worm in here? I don't know. A little bit more protein. <laughs> so, so what you have is with that analogy, with that analogy, right? If the worm is the sin, the sin didn't come from the outside. Where'd the sin come from? From within. Sin comes from within us. And within Exodus, with these laws and these rules and these guidelines, what we're getting ready to see is, it, is, is it's just not Pharaoh's problem. It's just not the evil people's problems. It's not all the, what we will just lump together as the parasites, all the ites, right? It's just not all the ites' problems. The problem's also within our own heart. And as Christians, a foundational thing that we need to understand if it's always someone else's problem, then we're missing the point. We are messed up within, and we need a Savior. And these laws and these rules that we're getting ready to read over just a little bit are going to reveal to us we need a Savior. So, God is providing His people a greater way to understand atonement for their sin. Through the Ten Commandments and other laws, God is setting up a culture for his people to love him and to love others. We now find ourselves in Exodus 22 and 23. So if you have your Bibles, let's go there. Now, I'll be honest with you. There are some pretty obscure laws that, um, that we see. Most people that I have talked to have often skipped over these laws because they don't feel like they can apply to them. There's a very generic statement that says, well, that's the Old Testament, and that statement is a lie from Satan. We can't throw these laws away. And the reason why we can't throw these laws away is because God's heart is in these laws. His character is in these laws. So if we throw these away, then we throw away a lot of who God is. So we need to read these to say, God, what were you teaching to these people? What were you saying to these people? What were you trying to present to this culture that I can apply to my life today about who you are and who you want me to become? And the sum of the laws come down to what? Love God and love people. 
So we begin to see that, that God's stirring up and God's teaching and preparing and providing a way for you and I and the people of the Old Testament to love God and to love people. And sometimes we need specific steps of how to do that. And God has shown us that. Sure, different, different time, different culture, but God's not different. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So therefore, in Exodus 22, I'm not going to read all the laws. The laws today are not the focus, but because people often don't read them, I want to read some of them to you that will hopefully stir up in you to go attack them. So, 22, um, verse 2. If a thief is caught breaking in at night, and is struck a fatal blow, the defender is not guilty of bloodshed. So if a person breaks into your house at nighttime when it's dark, and you strike them, and they die, everything's good. But, (laughs) you're like, Joey, it concerns me that you said that so (laughs) kosherly. (laughs) But if it happens after sunrise, the defender is guilty of bloodshed. So if you could see the weapon that he had or lack of weapon, if you did it during the daytime, then you're in trouble. In all cases of illegal possession of an ox, I would love for those in here who are um, police officers or state highway patrolmen or sheriffs like, sir, I have to arrest you for illegal possession of an ox. <laughs> like, is that what happened back in the old day? You ride up on your horse? Sir, I get a ticket to you for illegal possession of an ox? I don't know how that worked, but um, in all cases, nevertheless, in all cases of illegal possession of an ox, a donkey, a sheep, a garment, or any other lost property about which somebody says, this is mine, both parties are to bring their cases before the judges. The one whom the judges declare guilty must pay back double to the others. And these are actually the judges that we read about several chapters ago. And when you look at the word judges here, um, the word judges is actually goes back to Elohim. And what they're saying is God has almost placed these judges in place to serve as a God-like system for him. So um, we don't need to go into that. But Elohim is just not one word for God in many gods. Elohim can represent many different things. So um, I thought that was interesting while we were reading that. Either way, if a man seduces a virgin who is not pledged to be married and sleeps with her, he must pay the bride price, and she shall be his wife. If her father absolutely refuses to give her to him, he must still pay the bride price for the virgins. Interesting. If you had to pay a wedding price, there might be a lot less stuff going on, right? (laughs) Do not mistreat or oppose a foreigner, for you were foreigners in Egypt. Hot topic, isn't it? Very hot topic. If you take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge, return it by sunset, because the cloak is the only covering your neighbor has. 
What else can they sleep in? When they cry out to me, I will hear, for I am compassionate. So look, I borrow something from Ron, or, I, yeah, I borrow something from Ron, Pastor Ron, and then he's like, well, Joey, for payment of this, I'm going to need to take your cloak at night. God says, you take the cloak, he takes my cloak at day, but then he gives it back to me at night. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because it's cold, so he wants me to be able to be warm. That's an interesting bartering going on there. And then Ron would come pick up the cloak in the morning, and he would take it. And then at night, he'd come give it back. Uh, Do not hold back offerings from your granaries or vans. You must give me the firstborn of your sons. Do the same with your cattle and your sheep. Let them stay with their mothers for seven days, but give them to me on the eighth. So the idea of first, giving out of your first, right? Nevertheless, very interesting laws, rules, guidelines that God is setting for his people. So let's go to the New Testament in Romans 3, verse 19 and 20. It says this, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. We'll just stop right there for a second. No one can do it right. No one can earn it. You'll never be deemed righteous by the law. That's finished. It's done. Can't happen. Through the law we became conscious of our sin. So because of the law, because of the rules, now we know we need a Savior. Amen? The, the rules are there because they're rules, but also because of the rules, it reveals to you and I that I need a Savior. And who doesn't need a Savior this week? Who hasn't fallen short this week? No matter your spiritual maturity, no matter how far you've come, there's still more that God has for you. We later learn that it isn't about how good we become because we cannot successfully fulfill the laws ourselves. But it's only through the blood of Jesus. Little by little, little by little, God is teaching and leading his people towards him. Not a self-help regimen. Even through the conflict of sin and hurt, God is leading us towards him. I mean, if we just watch what happens in this next chapter, 23, in the light of what we know of people's rebellion and complaining to this point of the story, We're going to see God work little by little. So chapter 23, here's the main point that I want to get at today. Um, And I know I've talked um, for a long time in a review sense. Exodus 23, verse 20. See, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way. 
and to bring you to a place I have prepared. Pay attention to him and listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him. He will not forgive your rebellion. Since my name is in him, if you listen carefully to what he says and do all that I say, I will be an enemy to your enemies and I will oppose those who oppose you. My angel will go ahead of you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites, Jebusites, and I will wipe them out. Do not bow down before their gods or worship them or follow their practices. You must demolish them and break their sacred stones to pieces. Worship the Lord your God, and his blessings will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you, and none will miscarry or be barren in your land. I will give you a full life span. So the first question I had was, well, who is this angel? Some people, if you get online, they think it's Michael. They're like, this is Michael and this is why. Is this angel even really special? And I would say, this is not Michael. And this is just not any special, or this is just not any angel. I believe that this is the angel of the Lord that we learned about earlier in Scripture. That is Jesus. I believe that Jesus was showing up here. And there's, there's so many parallels right here in chapter 23 that then we see in the New Testament about Jesus' character as well. So, um, one of them is in John 14. And what does Jesus say? In John 14, he talks about a place that he's prepared for you and I. That if he's prepared a place for you and I, then he's certainly going to come back and get us. So what we see in Exodus 23 is this angel's preparing a place. It also says, my name is in him. The angel has authority to pardon transgressions. Obeying the angel's voice is practically the same as serving God. The angel um, will take sickness away and give a full lifespan and what I've learned is nothing can give life other than Jesus. Nothing. This angel that was showing up was Jesus. How unique that, that Jesus would love us so much that he wants to be with us all the time. Like, I've heard people say, like, Jesus loved us so much that he was willing to, to leave heaven and come into flesh form to be with us. And then not only was he willing to walk in flesh form, but then once he needed to leave the earth, he wanted to be with us so much, that God wanted to be with us so much that then he sent a Holy Spirit to live in us. So you come down from heaven in flesh form, you leave in flesh form, but then you send your spirit to intimately live with us each day. And we see Jesus showing up as an angel in the Old Testament. This Jesus really loves you. And if you can't see that in the Old Testament, you're not reading it right. The angel plays a critical role as the manifestation of God's presence among his people. 
but the original audience um, had no concept of the, the second person of the Trinity, right? They didn't know at this point. So it might be more accurate to say that this angel shows them the role of Jesus Christ and the role that Jesus Christ would play one day. Still really wows me. Jesus wanted to be with us. Verse 27, and we're wrapping up. I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive out the Hivites, Canaanites, Hittites, out of your way. Listen to this right here. Everyone listen. But I will not drive them out in a single year because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. Little by little, little by little, little by little, and little by little. I don't like little by little. Because you know what? If, if I'm there, if I'm God's people right then and there, I'm saying, why won't you destroy them right now? But God, you don't understand. You don't understand this person at work. You don't understand what it feels like to be alone. You don't understand what it feels like, whatever, to be financially unstable. God, you don't understand the hurt that I'm going through. If you would just fix this my way, then everything would fix itself. Then everything would be okay. And I could go from point A to point B. God said little by little, little by little, little by little. Will you become okay with little by little? Because if, 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 if God just answers at your beckoning call, one, you don't know what destruction you might be um, preparing for yourself. God, if these silly people, the real Christian version, right? If these silly ten cars in front of me, would just, if you would just move them out of my way, then I could get to work on time. Okay, he moves them out of the way. Done. You're done. You don't know what you're praying if you got every way what you're praying your life into. And what God is asking is if you would have faith and trust in him, that even though it hurts, even though it doesn't make sense, even though life isn't easy, that little by little you'll trust him. Will you do that? Will you do that when you don't have rent, when you don't have mortgage, when you don't have a running car, when you feel like you lost yourself to sin, when you feel like you're not qualified? when you feel like the whole world is against you, will you little by little trust God? Will you let him do it? Because if God would have done it another way, the enemy would have been gone, but then there's a new enemy. The animals would have become too numerous for them. So this is what I want to say. 
little by little, God is making things work together for your good. Most of us would be praying that God would fix our problems immediately. But God values process in doing things little by little. He little by little um, will do it. Not in a single year, but maybe over a lifetime. Will you guys stand with me? I don't know what it is. Um, there's such, um, there, there, there's, there's barriers, right? Um, there's barriers that, that we sense often in church and in our own lives. And I always feel like, for me, action as, um, what's his name? Action leads to change. I say it all the time. Either way, it's not my thing. Action leads to change. And I've experienced that in my, my real life. That a confession, a deep cry from my heart, not emotions, but a deep cry in my heart to say, God, I need change. Action leads to that change. And from my experience, when I've responded, when I've responded in humility, you know, if, if I were to say right now, like, if, if you guys want more of Jesus, raise your hands. Everyone's hands are going to raise up. Yeah, see, look at that. I didn't even need to formally ask, and we're all like, give it to me. But how about this? Those same hands, I love you all. If I said, if you want more of Jesus, come up to the altar. See, it's, it's through humility, I believe, through a sincerity, a small price of coming to the altar and saying, God, God, I, I'm willing to face this little bit of humility because... Action leads to change, and I want more of you. Today, I want to ask this question. I would like you to offer some of your enemies that you have been praying that God would take away immediately. I would like for you to offer them to him at the altar and propose to him that you will trust him little by little. Maybe it's financial issues. Maybe it's emotional issues. Maybe it's sexual issues. Maybe it's with peers, bosses, or even a family member. Maybe it's physical issues. Maybe it's drugs, alcohol, or insecurities. Maybe it's none of the things that I've mentioned. But I see a theme through Exodus that it's not that God isn't faithful. It's that God's people, it's that God's people are not trusting him throughout the little by little process. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. This doesn't mean that God isn't going to, um, this doesn't mean that God's going to force himself on you and fix your problems. So when you respond, God's not going to force himself on you and fix your problems immediately. But God can do a lot with a heart that's postured before him with humility. Amen? So, he will help you. He will guide you. But here's my proposal. Where you take those, those, those enemies in your life right now. Will you take those enemies and will you respond at the altar 
And will you tell God that I trust you with them? Little by little, I'm willing to trust you. There's no, there's no music right now. There's no band up here. And there's not going to be. I want you to be willing to make that awkward sacrifice. To say, God, I come up here little by little. And I trust you. I trust you with my kids. I trust you with my finances. I trust you with my sins. I trust you with the people that I'm frustrated with. So if that's you today, and by faith, I'm really believing that, um, by faith, I'm really believing that most people in the church are coming up here, and I just made it easier for you. So the first people that come up, come to the front, the front front. Amen? So I'm going to pray, and you guys start responding. Father, in Jesus' name, we have our enemies we have our hurts, we have our fears, things that, that we want you to take immediately. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that, that you would send your presence and that you would stir up in us greater trust, Father, greater belief um, in little by little that you're, you're taking care of the enemies in our lives, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys just keep on responding. Um, you, you can keep on finding um, some space. Just have a moment between you and God. Just keep on having that conversation with God. Father, I trust you. Father, I trust you. I don't like it. It hurts. It scares me. But I trust you little by little. Father, I pray that everyone that's responded in their heart today, Father, everyone that's responded in their heart, that you would increase yourself with them in Jesus' name. Father, increase yourself with them. Pour your spirit over them this week. Father, stir up in them and cultivate a desire to get into your word and new levels. And Father, I ask that you would give them revelation. That the living word, as they get into it, that it would bring life. Father, just declare that, 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 that you are good when it doesn't make sense. And if you guys just keep kind of keep your eyes closed... Um, I feel like I have to share a quick word. Um, I saw, um, I saw some, like not a specific person, but I actually saw an in, like in my mind there was just a person that. Um, and elders, if if you're not up here receiving, if you could go around and pray as well. But I actually saw this person who was um, abused as a child. And the, the lack of trust of little by little, the lack of trust in God, the lack of trust in things is, has, has really prevented you from being able to be set free. And I really believe today that, um, that, that God's going to use this day as to set you free. So if, if that individual needs to talk with elders, needs to talk with pastors, that's fine. But I'm going to pray for you. Father, I pray for this person who was abused as a child.
Father, I pray, I pray, Father, that you would set them free. Father, break that chain. Father, break that chain. Father, bring healing, restoration. Father, restore them. I pray that you would take away the lies of Satan in their life. May your blood pour in and through them. Father, we pray for those who are just wrestling with whether you're actually good. Father, we pray for this generation of young people, people who don't believe that you are good. Father, we pray for this region of young people who don't believe that you're good. Father, we pray for this region of people who, who wrestle with whether you are good or not. We ask that you would, you would soften their hearts. Father, that your kindness your kindness would stir up in them, that you would continually give them chance after chance after chance. And I ask that you would send us as a church to those who do not believe that you are good. Father, help us trust you. Father, if this church grows to 25 people, and I said that right, Father, if this church grows to 25 people, we will trust you. Father, Father, if this church grows to 750 people, we trust you. Father, thank you for your ministry. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.